Welcome to the Heart Failure Insights podcast. In this podcast, we hope to explore the latest treatment and management options for heart failure patients. Whether you're a healthcare professional, patient, carer, or family member looking to learn more, Dr. Julianne Locke, our host, will be interviewing some of the leading cardiology experts across the globe to help us uncomplicate the subject. Arwin Cardiology presents the Heart Failure Insights Podcast. This episode is not intended for US and UK based healthcare professionals. Welcome to this Heart Failure Insights Podcast. My name is Dr. Julianne Locke, and in this series, we will explore the latest treatment and management options for heart failure patients with preserved or reduced ejection fraction. From discussing the epidemiology of the disease to the management of patients with comorbidities, this podcast will arm you with the information you need to improve your clinical decision-making and provide your patients with more treatment options. Today, I am joined by Professor Michael Bohem. He is the Director of the Clinic for Internal Medicine 3 and Chief of Cardiology at the University of the Saarland in Germany. He has a special interest in pathophysiology and treatment of heart failure and has been the principal investigator of several multi-center clinical trials. He has written more than 700 original papers, book chapters and review articles and is a past president of the German Society of Cardiology. For this episode, we will discuss the latest promising results of sodium glucose co-transporter 2 or SGL2 inhibitors, particularly empagliflozin in the Emperor Preserved trials. In the previous podcast with Professor Anker, we heard that this class of drug is offering more options to patients and clinicians. So we will explore this in more detail with Professor Bohem. Professor Bohem, welcome to the podcast. Good morning. I guess let's start off with a bit of background first. What is the Emperor Preserved trial and why was it carried out? So there was a diabetes trial in the very beginning showing that in people with diabetes but without heart failure, there is a strong reduction of outcomes among them specifically, although it was not a predefined endpoint heart failure hospitalization. And that was a reason to study empagliflozin and SGLT2 inhibitor in the heart failure population. Now, Emperor Preserved is one of the parts of the trial program which has been led by the same investigators, same committees, which started to treat patients from an ejection fraction above 40%. That is very important. The Emperor Reduced trial had shown very positive results below 40, and now we extend to a condition which is called heart failure with preserved ejection fraction, or in a subgroup, heart failure between an ejection fraction of 40 and 49, heart failure with micro-reduced ejection fraction. The idea of that came also from the diabetes trial where the event rates in patients who are uh, have a history of heart failure but not classified in the empiric outcome really was similar to patients in registry with a heart failure with mildly or preserved ejection fraction. And therefore, empagliflozin was randomized um, to placebo, matched placebo in this group of patients with mildly and preserved ejection fraction. And I guess it's now important that we've laid the groundwork of the Emperor Preserved trial. So we've seen several studies now which have particularly looked at quality of life published this year. So what are these studies showing us and what does it mean for both patients in terms of quality of life outcomes and in terms of what clinicians can offer patients? 
So first of all, the, the typical endpoint is cardiovascular death and heart failure hospitalization in these trials. But during the last years, there is more emphasis put on so-called patient-related outcomes. And among there is this uh, determination of quality of life. There is a validated instrument, which is the Kansas City Cardiomyopathy Questionnaire, which is validated in every population. It covers a broad spectrum of uh, outcomes, symptom scores, total clinical summary scores, really up to social isolation, which is very prominent in patients who have chronic disease, such as heart failure. And therefore, this instrument was used to look at the treatment effect of quality of life. And there are two papers now indeed showing that quality of life with SJT2 inhibitors is improved. The one, the first one was the emperor, uh, the, the emperor reduce study, but now it is extended to the population we discussed before. And that is heart failure with preserved or only mildly reduced ejection fraction. Just published, there is a very strong effect of um, embryoplosin on quality of life. So the overall scores are all improving, but also there are several patients which improve by five points, 10 points, and 15 points or even more. And that is a threshold five points where the patient is really noticing that he is feeling better. And this is stable across all the domains which is covered here. So there is a global improvement of quality of life. Um, which is very solid and less people also are deteriorating. So it's a mirror and it causes also or adds plausibility uh, to these findings. So what the physician can offer, he can offer to the patient that the patient really is less in the hospital, which is, I think, the major point. But also when he's out of the hospital or in the hospital, he's doing much better in his daily life. So therefore, this study and all the analyses on these uh, extend our knowledge and also extend our armamentarium to treat highly symptomatic patients. And I think that's really important, you know, to that we're looking more and more at how drugs aren't just improving clinical outcomes, but also quality of life for the patients, because these are patients who have to live with these conditions. At the two papers that you mentioned there, I just want to let listeners know that they will be linked in the podcast description so you can find more details there. And I guess there's been quite a lot of big conferences this year. We've seen quite a lot of results presented looking at subgroups of patients who've got preserved ejection fraction. What results have you been finding most interesting that you think could provide useful clinical benefit to patients? So first of all, physicians are very reluctant to use drugs in certain conditions. And I would like to make three points. These are elderly people. These are people with low blood pressure, and these are people with impaired kidney function. Yeah? Because the drugs, of course, little, eliminate a little bit of sodium, so there are concerns about blood pressure and kidney function. So the first trial deals with patients with, um, patients with impaired um, uh, kidney function. So patients with CKD uh, are very prominent among these group of patients with heart failure. Only 50% of the patients have normal heart failure. So embagliflozine, for instance, can be given down to 20 milliliters per kilogram per minute of um, EGFR. Dapagliflozine, which is good for reassurance, also to 25. And for this, um, there is no interaction with the endpoints. So quality of life, but also the endpoints such as heart failure, hospitalization and death are not affected by the severity of kidney disease. And what is most important that these drugs indeed save the decline of kidney function over time. So they have a kidney protective effect. So 
Therefore, physicians should not be reluctant to use the drug in patients with impaired kidney function. The second point is low blood pressure. And this was all presented at the ACC meeting at the last European uh, meeting of heart failure and at the last European uh, journal, uh, last uh, European heart conference, lastly in Barcelona. That is age. So people with age are very prominent among the population with myelium preserved ejection fraction. That is a typical phenomenon of the aged um, individual with a lot of um, influences on the heart over so many years, in particular hypertension, metabolic disease, obesity. So thick walls, stiff hearts are the problem. And it has been shown that by separating people below 65, 70, 75, and above 80, the treatment effect maintained in the emperor preserved trial, there was even a trend for a slightly more uh, effect, uh, more pronounced effect in the very elderly people. And that is very important because the majority of these patients presenting in clinical practice will be elderly people and they can be treated. And uh, again, it is very important to note that quality of life is maintained at uh, the treatment effect. There is no interaction with age and hospitalization and death, and not with the decline of kidney function, which is a frequently um, uh, a, fre a frequent concern of physicians. So it's all maintained even in the very elderly. There are a lot of experimental data to explain that because SGLT2 inhibition might be something like an anti-aging intervention. So that is the most important thing. The third point I would like to make is low blood pressure. So in people with low blood pressure, several drugs in heart failure with reduced ejection fraction, reduce further blood pressure, and there might be intolerance. And therefore, we looked at patients who are below 110 and at higher groups. The first message, clinically important, is that patients with a low blood pressure coming through the door and presenting have poorer outcomes, they have higher event rates. Again, looking in the treatment effect, you can see that the relative treatment effects of hospitalization, and I might add also quality of life and the impairment of kidney decline, are also unaffected by low blood pressure. And that is very important. Because these people who come with low blood pressure, they might have something like decapitated hypertension previously, then blood pressure is reduced due to heart failure, and they are poorly treated usually, and there is an urgent need for these patients for a drug. And now we have the data for heart failure that's reduced, but now also with preserved and mildly reduced ejection fraction, that these people with a low blood pressure benefit the same as people with higher blood pressure, um, in particular. Uh, on quality of life, heart failure, hospitalization, and kidney protection. So these are, I think, these are my three favorites uh, in this field. I think that's such an important point, isn't it? That clinicians maybe have been reluctant with patients with particular comorbidities to use, you know, a variety of drugs for lots of reasons. But it's great to see that empagliflozin is really showing not just a reduction in hospitalization risk, not just a reduction in cardiovascular death risk, but also this improvement in quality of life across a whole spectrum of patients, particularly maybe those groups that clinicians have been a bit reluctant to treat in the past. So I suppose that's important for people to remember that it is suitable for use in the elderly, suitable for use maybe for people with blood pressure issues and particularly for people who maybe have a limited kidney function. It's having a lot of promising results in those sectors. Thanks so much, Professor Bowen, for this really excellent overview of the recent results observed in the Emperor Preserve trials. And it really is great to see the promise in treating patients with preserved ejection fraction. 
and how improvements are seen really across so many subgroups of patients. If you wish to find out more about these clinical trials, please click on the link for the papers in the show description. That's all we have time for in this episode. Thanks so much for listening, and I do hope you enjoyed the episode. In the next episode, we will explore the outcomes in patients with reduced ejection fraction. In future episodes, we will explore treatment options for heart failure and some real-world case studies. Until next time, take care, stay safe, and goodbye for now. We hope you enjoyed today's podcast and look forward to seeing you next time. Don't forget to stay up to date with all the latest discussions and to help spread awareness follow and subscribe. You can find us on your favourite podcast platform and rowin-cardiology.com.